0: Hello and welcome to Decision NYC with Ben Max. I'm Ben Max, your host and the executive editor of Gotham Gazette. The 2021 New York City election season is underway and it's poised to be the most significant municipal election in decades. All of city government is on the ballot and because so few incumbents are eligible to run for their current seats due to term limits, New Yorkers are electing many new office holders and the next roster of leadership for our city. There will be a new mayor of New York City elected in 2021, as well as a new city controller, new borough presidents, and many new city council members. That's not all that's on the ballot though. Some incumbents are eligible and seeking reelection, and there's a very crowded and competitive race for Manhattan district attorney and more. Party primaries are set for June, and the general election will culminate on November 2nd, 2021. This is the first full set of municipal elections that will feature early voting, as well as a new ranked choice voting system, which applies to party primaries and special elections only. And we'll explain that at length in another show. This city election cycle would be of enormous importance under more usual circumstances, but it is unfolding at a time of great crisis for our city, raising the stakes of the decisions that you, the voter, will make. The new wave of city leadership will, quite clearly, make or break the city's recovery from the devastation of COVID-19 and its impact on health, families, jobs, education, and more. So we're pleased to bring you this new series of interviews with the candidates running for mayor of New York City, as well as other candidates for other offices. These one-on-one conversations will help you get to know the candidates better, learn about their backgrounds and positions, where they stand on key issues and their vision for the future of New York City. We hope this and other interviews will help you sort through your many choices and make an informed decision when it's time to vote. So joining me now by Zoom is Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough President, who's a Democratic candidate for mayor of New York City. Mr. Borough President, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you so much and it's good to see you, Ben.
0: Good to see you. So, just a a brief overview of your background before coming into this race. Uh, You know, what are the broad strokes of of your life and career that you want people to know about as part of your backstory? Because uh, after all, people are voting for for a person and a vision.
1: Well said, and you're right. Uh, A person and a vision, and any vision that you can't execute uh, is just really an idea. And I think the totality of my life um, from experiencing at the hands of police abuse as a 15-year-old, going into the police department, taking the painful moments of that and making it a purposeful moment, uh, becoming a police officer, a sergeant, lieutenant, a captain, uh, going to school at night, uh, two classes at a time to obtain my associate's bachelor's. And master's degree, uh, becoming a graduate at the police academy, graduating at the highest of my class at the police academy, at the state senator, uh, becoming the first person of color to be the head of homeland security, becoming the first co- person of color to be uh, the Brooklyn Bar president. Uh, but I think hidden in my bio is the role I played uh, during the early 90s as a computer programmer and part of the team that really identified how that we use data uh, to turn around uh, the crime problem we were having in the city. And I hope that comes out throughout this conversation, uh, but it's the fullness of my life of, of in those dark moments, uh, turning into purposeful moments. And I think that when you identify the character that is needed to be the mayor and ever changing city, uh, I really fit that model.
0: Why don't you speak a little bit more about your character and your values? You know, what's front and center for you as you hold leadership positions now and in the past, and as you're looking to hold this immense leadership position of Mayor of New York City, what do you put front and center in terms of your personal values, and then and then also in terms of the leadership, the way you approach leadership positions? What should people know about how how you do that and how you perform? What is know, a a very important role, whether you're leading, you know, whether anybody's leading leading a team of of two or three people or hundreds of thousands, as you're seeking to do as mayor.
1: So true. And that's very important, uh, what you just stated. Uh, But my values are rooted in families. Family, uh, families are first. Uh, I continue to state that. Uh, It is imperative that we create a city uh, where we can raise healthy children and families. And I mean healthy in all the different areas from physical health to emotional, mental health. Uh, That is so important to me. Uh, I want my son to receive uh, the important stability that I receive, but I don't want him to grow up in a city uh, that I grew up in that was filled with crime, graffiti, uh, dirty, the lack of believing in government and dysfunctionality that I associate, associate with government. But then when you talk about uh, management style and bring, bringing together uh, team members. I think sometimes when we think about running for the mayor of the city of New York, people want to look at their individual qualities. Uh, it would be shameful if all I talk about is that, hey, I have a great law enforcement career or someone that states that, hey, I have a good financial background. Uh, we're not just running for one position on what I like to, to say on the baseball team. And um, we're looking to manage the team. And merely being a great face first baseman or outfielder—that uh, is not what we're looking for. And my belief is, you must build the right team, uh, uh, trust them uh, to be in charge of the agencies that would align with our entire city to reach towards one goal and get out of their ways way and allow them to execute. Our city is made up of agencies, and sometimes we forget that. And we often focus on dollars and cents, but it's really common sense government uh, that is going to allow us to uh, transition and move the city forward. And I believe the right team will allow it to happen.
0: And so it sounds like uh, a leadership approach, you know, that at least in the, those broad strokes there, that sounded a little bit more like Mayor Bloomberg than Mayor de Blasio. You know, Mayor Bloomberg was a bit known for letting his commissioners do more and make more decisions and sort of be the experts in their fields. Is that, is that, along the lines of what you're alluding to there?
1: Yes, I I believe that wholeheartedly, but clarity of mission is important. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, The first uh, 30 days in office, uh, I'm already spending time talking to great minds uh, and and looking at potential uh, leaders of our city agencies. Uh, But the first 30 days, each agency will go into uh, their particular agency and do an analysis and redefine their mission. And that mission would tie into the overall mission of the city. And the third most important thing all of them would do in the first 60 days, uh, they're going to look at their agency and make sure that they're doing nothing in the agency that is in conflict with the mission of another agency. And that sounds strange, uh, but every day we are in conflict with the missions of other agencies in our city. And as the mayor of the city of New York, my commissioners are going to be aligned, and we're going to move towards one mission—that's the overall mission of the city.
0: So you you mentioned that uh, faith in government is is kind of shaken right now, and I think that does extend from city government to state government to federal government in a lot of ways. And the pandemic has has sort of hit that home to a degree that you know it was it was pretty extreme even before, and now we're talking about a whole different level. How do you restore faith in government? What would what the steps that a mayor, Eric Adams, would take to, to make that happen?
1: Consistency, clarity, communication, transparency. Uh, that is so important. When you look at something that's taking place uh, in Boston with their city score system, uh, it is about showing how our government is functioning every day. we we have to move away from this scatter and pray approach to governing the city um, as we transition into a new age uh, in running cities in America. And you're right. uh, Our failure to, one, manage our assets, have an equitable distribution of resources, and here's the key, real time. We can't continue to run cities that are not running in real time. And when you do that, Uh, You can take the uncertainty out of government. And that is what we learned in policing. Policing has taught me so much. Uh, I I was um, just proud to be part of the era when we transformed the dysfunctionality of law enforcement and made our city a safe place. But we did it by bridging technology with the real manpower and identifying problems in a rapid manner and deploying the resources correctly. So when you
0: try to take that approach across city agencies. You're talking about what was a pretty big shakeup at the NYPD, you're talking about really shaking up things across city government. Um, What kinds of leaders would you need to put in at city agencies? What kind of tone would you have to set? And do you think, you know, sort of city government bureaucracy is, is tameable? I mean, this is a massive, massive bureaucracy.
1: You know, Ben, I'm smiling because I remember uh, sitting in the room when uh, Jack Maple, a person, a name that many people are not familiar with, uh, but Jack sat in the room and said, we don't have to live with crime. We don't have to have 2,000 homicides a year, 98,000 robberies, every car having a no radio sign. And we bought these things called Benzie boxes. We, we used to carry our radios out of the cars because we didn't believe we can leave them in there overnight. And those were indicators of surrender. Uh, we actually created uh, industries to state that we couldn't be safe and that we couldn't live in a safe city and jack understood we could in the small team of programmers that i I was a part of uh, we knew that we could do something differently and we were successful we are here again this is deja vu Uh, believe it or not Citizens don't believe we can remove the graffiti on time. They don't believe the trash will be picked up. They don't believe we can educate our children. Uh, We have created entire industries on the lack of belief uh, that cities can function uh, because taxpayers are not getting their money's worth. But I know we can. I believe that when you put in place uh, visionaries that are willing to transform our agencies, and I want to keep going back to that, because cities are made up of agencies that taxpayers pay into to get services and they're not getting their taxpayers dollars now. And it's those inefficiencies that are leading to inequalities and they're giving way to injustice. I think that we will clearly turn that around with the right leaderships uh, in, in, in charge of all of our agencies in this city, particularly the most important ones.
0: Uh, okay. Well, before I get to my next question then, what are the most important city
1: agencies? Uh, two. Uh, number one, the New York City Police Department. The prerequisite to prosperity is public safety. Uh, just go back in two, in, in the early uh, 80s and 90s when no one wanted to come here. Tourism was down. Uh, when our city became safe starting uh, in the Uh, early 90s, we saw a transformation, we saw tourism boost. Last year, we had 65 million tourists with $45 billion in economic revenue. Uh, Public safety is the prerequisite to have businesses open, uh, people living in a safe environment, and trust in our city. The second is what I believe is the cornerstone of our dysfunctionality, and that's the Department of Education. We just have education wrong. Uh, not only here in New York but across America and I am embarrassed to know that we start every school year knowing that black and brown students in general but specifically black and brown boys are going to be level ones and levels levels twos we need to transform the education experience and stop schooling and start educating what does that look like let's follow the science my pediatricians and neurologists that I have been meeting with for over two years They stated that Eric is the first thousand days of life. Everyone is saying to you Ben about uh, K through 12. That's wrong. It's prenatal to career. So we need to give mothers doulas so they can learn nutrition and how to shape the brain of their children. The first thousand days is 80% of brain neuron growth but we're doing nothing about that. Our children are unprepared by the time they get in 3K. Second, we need to extend the school year. We need to end two summers off. Uh, It makes no sense, that's an agrarian calendar. No one is picking corn anymore during farm season. We need to use those months to give children either either remote learning for two to three hours a day to learn critical thinking, uh, socialization, operating groups, financial literacy, all of the soft skills uh, that that they need. And then we have to deal with trauma in our classrooms, by doing the things that I did here in Brooklyn. Everything from yoga, meditation, uh, experiencing um, how to deal with self-healing. A lot of these children, by the time they get into the classrooms, uh, they are dealing with real trauma. And one of the most important things is health. Think about this, Ben. We have a Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. It spends millions of dollars fighting childhood obesity, diabetes, and asthma. Yet, Every day we feed our children 960,000 meals a day. And those meals cause childhood obesity, childhood diabetes, childhood asthma. That's the crisis I talk about when one agency creates a crisis for another agency. We have to stop doing that every day.
0: Two other things on education uh, that I want to know where they fit into your vision. One is the question of trying to desegregate, you know, the city's very segregated Schools uh, racially and ethnically segregated. Where does that fit into your thinking? And two is uh, where do charter schools fit into your thinking? Are, are you know that that discussion uh, has sort of fallen off the map a little bit? It was dominating a lot of the political discussion a few years ago. We've sort of gotten into a stabilized place with it. But I'm wondering if you do anything different on on the charter school issue as mayor. So th- those two topics, where do they fit in?
1: First, segregation. Uh, This is probably one of the most embarrassing things uh, in our city. Uh, This is almost like 1940 Alabama. It should not be. Not only are we hurting uh, the cross-pollination that young people need to experience uh, the new global uh, diverse environment to solve problems of the future, uh, but we're also hurting uh, poorer communities. And when you look at the real secret around desegregation, it is how we assign students to schools. Because I dug into this. I met with teachers, educators, principals, superintendents, and had real conversations on, why are we failing to uh, integrate our schools? And the system itself is built on uh, a desegregation uh, outlook. And so we're going to change that model and allow a better assignment of students. And you go to some communities like in Fort Greene, you will have an entire class uh, that is all white students or all black students right in the same school building. We have to change this. The science is clear that not only will a student do better uh, by having a diverse Ethnic environment and cultural environment, but it also helps students to be in an environment where children are at different uh, academic levels. We are harming our children by not allowing them to develop their full personhood of being in multicultural environments, and we're going to push that forward, forward in a very aggressive way. And, uh, and charter schools. I am a supporter of all of our schools. I believe in parents having choices, but what we cannot do. We cannot create an environment inside our school buildings where we are segregating our students and not looking at best practices. I can't walk into a school building and on two floors uh, we see peeling paint, uh, don't have proper equipment, don't have proper computers, then I go two stores up and two floors up and I see a uh, beautiful paint hallways, positive signs and images uh, as children are operating in a very safe, clean environment. That sends the wrong message that creates the hostility. Uh, those are one of the things that I believe of uh, the former mayor of Mayor Bloomberg made a big mistake in doing. He created an adversarial environment between the charter school parents and the district school parents. I'm not going to do that. Um, these are all our children, and we need to use best practices that are coming from parochial, charter, private, uh, any school that we can find the best way to educate our children, we must embrace.
0: So we've gotten into this a little bit with a couple of your pillars here about public safety and education, but the the conversation that the city's going to have throughout this election and then, of course, into the new mayor's term is about recovery from what's happened during COVID-19, both in terms of public health, but also in terms of uh, the economy and all the impacts impacts there as well. So beyond what we've talked about so far, are there key pillars of your mayoral campaign that are about the city's recovery? Are there things related to economic development jobs um, that you're putting on the table or you will be putting on the table to try to bring the city's economy back?
1: Uh, uh, yes. Uh, uh, we're going to be rolling out uh, several different white papers and some of our policies uh, that really will focus on economic recovery, uh, but let's look at uh, several now. Number one, uh, under this administration, we witnessed a $20 billion increase in our budget. Uh, can you see where, where the money actually uh, went into? Because I can't. Uh, we continue to use taxpayers' dollars Uh, to go into almost a black hole. And we have to stop hemorrhaging uh, dollars through inefficiency because I keep saying the inefficiencies are leading to the inequities that we're witnessing. So what does that mean? That means the transformation of government. And really the problem is not only in New York City but the cities across America. Uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu has a saying uh, that I respect and love paraphrasing him, he stated, we spend a lifetime pulling people out of the river. No one goes upstream and prevent them from falling in the first place. Upstream government of preventing people from falling in the river saves money. So I believe our economic recovery is going to start on several layers. The first layer is to run our city in an efficient manner, an upstream model, not creating crises that cause it's great deals of deal of money uh, downstream. A uh, second, it's imperative to find cuts in our agencies. I believe every agency has a five to ten percent ability to cut and still produce the services that we expect from our city agencies. A uh, third, growth. Uh, there's no reason uh, we can't become an attractive place for life sciences. Uh, to really attract our tech industries, we should not be a uh, number two uh, to uh, San Francisco's or other locations. New York is at number one, whatever we do. And I want to make this a this place where we can cut bureaucracy, attract new businesses here, and really have a thriving life science, a thriving uh, tech industry, and then look and think outside the box. Let me tell you one place uh, that's really interesting. It's the agrarian urban uh, farming industry. That's really an economic boom. We have been meeting with NYU and Cornell University uh, to look at how do we grow out a real urban e- economy here where we can solve several problems, because the future is about one solution solving several problems. If we use our rooftop spaces uh, to grow food using hydroponic, using uh, other form of vertical farming, we can actually identify food deserts, food apartheid, teach children the economics of growing food, selling food, take trucks off our roads to deal with the environment. So it's a more better ecosystem of building a healthy environment in the process. So that's very important as we do our recovery. We have to be smarter with our money. We have to ensure our agencies are effective lead doing their job. And if need be, we have to actually look at a short term tax for those who are uh, making five million dollars or more a year to get us over this uh, terrible economic challenge that we're facing. And where does uh,
0: where does private development fit into this? You know, we've had these battles in the city uh, recently around the big Amazon project. We recently had one around an industry city proposal in your borough of Brooklyn. You know, there's there's others that have happened over the years where. You know, there's, there's sometimes there's public uh, land involved. Sometimes there's, you know, there's different pieces to all these proposals. But right now it looks, it seems like city politics has really shifted in the direction of uh, sort of an anti-development sentiment. Do you think that's misguided? Would you try, are you trying to change that?
1: Yes, I am. And I think it is misguided. I think we must be smart, have responsible development. I, I believe that the Amazon project, losing it was a big mistake. I don't believe we listened to the voices of those who live in Queensbridge projects and other local uh, communities there who were really encouraged about the possibility of Amazon coming. I believe the industry city uh, project should have moved forward. Uh, It's unfortunate that we did not Uh, find a way to seal the deals. I made several recommendations as well. And I believe Industry City was willing to look at them. I would have hoped that the councilmen in that area and others uh, would have uh, brought that project to a closure. Uh, And we're looking at also Willis Point. Uh, We should have a shovel in the ground already uh, in that community. It should not take this long to move these projects forward. Uh, When you look at uh, our economy here, what oil is to Texas, uh, development is to New York. Uh, Our real estate industry pays 51% of of our taxes and we need to think about that. And so the next mayor must be a unifier. I do not uh, join a group of people that look at the 60,000 plus people who pay of uh, 51% of our income tax as only 2% of our income tax filers. Uh, I don't join the crowd that say, we don't care if they leave or not. No, I want you to stay here. We must get through this together. And that means what we did in the seventies where uh, businesses and unions and everyday people came together. Same thing we did in 2001 after September 11th, it was the real estate community and business community that pulled us through. 2008, it was the same thing. And that is what we're going to have to do with COVID-19. And so I believe we need these development projects in a smart way. We can't give away the store, but at the same time, uh, we need the store to be here in New York City.
0: We've got just a few minutes left. I want to ask you a couple couple more questions. and I'm sure we'll we'll talk more as the campaign unfolds. But um, a lot of the discussion in this race is centering around, of course, the outgoing mayor. And I wanted to know, A, what, you know, if you had to give him a letter grade for his tenure, what it would be? And then, you know, maybe explain a little bit of what you think have been, you know, one or two of the successes of the de Blasio years and one or two areas where you really think an Eric Adams uh, mayoralty would need to turn the page.
1: Uh, I, I find it difficult to give him a letter grade. I believe that's unfair uh, for me to do so. He has, he has had some success and he has had some uh, challenges. Uh, it's clear on that no one expected uh, COVID-19 and the challenges uh, that we were facing. But remember, uh, our city was broken prior to COVID-19. Uh, some of us were insulated from the everyday challenges of New Yorkers. Uh, Many of us were able to go to the theater and sit down and have a great dinner with some friends. Uh, But that was not everyday New York. Uh, Prior to COVID-19, we were having a problem with violence. Prior to COVID-19, black and brown men, uh, were boys were not uh, being uh, educated in our school system. And our jails were filled with people who we failed uh, prior to all of this. And so uh, I look towards how do we evolve? I think the mayor made a mistake in not expanding on 311 that Bloomberg put in place. I think he made a mistake in not going uh, further uh, with the educational system. As I stated, 3K is just not enough. Uh, I believe we made a a huge mistake in not doing a better job uh, with homelessness. Uh, I think that our homelessness service, particularly for mental health illnesses, uh, it has clearly become a revolving door and we need to do a better job. And last, I think we made a major mistake uh, with NYCHA. Uh, let's be clear, uh, the plan for NYCHA can't be, uh, we're waiting on the federal government. That's an old record, that's scratch. And I don't wanna hear it anymore. But the bugles we hear is not the Calvary coming, it's taps, NYCHA, NYCHA is dying. And before we get any money, Uh, that is coming from outside to city and state, which we should, and we should fight for, we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing here in the city with what we have? That's why I call for a NYCHA stat equivalent to ComStat, so we can better monitor the resources and have an equitable distribution in in the NYCHA uh, developments.
0: Final quick question, we have to say goodbye. Uh, Do you have a political role model, somebody in politics past or present that you uh, look up to and, and try to emulate in at least some way.
1: Uh, Mayor David Dinkins, he was my hero. He was my mentor. Uh, most importantly, he, he's not receiving the credit he deserved. He knew that crime was the foundation of stabilizing our city. He increased the police force. He started to identify uh, local community policing and other mayors ben- benefited um, from what he laid out and he will always be a hero.
0: All right. Eric Adams, thank you so much for the time. It's good to talk with you.
1: Thank you. Take care.
0: And thank you for watching Decision NYC with Ben Max. Key decisions for New York City voters are coming up in June and the fall. There's a lot on the line for all of us and the future of this city. I hope this conversation was helpful. I'm Ben Max. See you next time.